Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Wednesday, June 3rd, 2020. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, Zoom is the new tech earnings report worth covering. Is on-device translation coming to iOS? Google is blocking a Remove China Apps app. The Brave browser is growing. Zuckerberg tries to calm his restless troops. And is FC Barcelona again leading the way for modern sports teams? Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. Once again, welcome to the new normal. When Zoom went public, however many months ago it was, I did take note of it as part of the whole unicorn parade of last year. And at the time, you know, yeah, increasingly a lot of us were using Zoom for meetings and phone calls, but I never dreamed that they would end up being a company that I'd need to keep track of for tech earnings report purposes. But as we all now know, Zoom is perhaps the exemplar of companies specially positioned for these COVID times. So it's worth taking a peek at Zoom's earnings. Zoom reported Q1 revenue yesterday afternoon of $328.2 million, which was up 169% year over year. Again, that's 169% up. More important are the raw numbers behind the scenes. Zoom now has 265,000 customers with 10 or more employees. Because remember, for all the ways that you've been Zooming with your parents and your cousins, Zoom is primarily right now an enterprise play. So that category of at least small to medium-sized enterprises is worth noting. And worth noting that those numbers for Zoom were up 354% year over year. This all led to projected revenue for Q2 nearly double what Wall Street was expecting, quoting CNBC. In keeping with its previous practices, the company did not disclose active user numbers. However, Bernstein analysts who have the equivalent of a buy rating on Zoom stock estimated that the Zoom mobile app had 173 million monthly active users as of May 27th, up from just 14 million on March 4th citing data from app analytics company Aptopia. Zoom's gross margin narrowed to 68.4% from 82.7% in the previous quarter and 80.2% in the year-ago quarter as it added computing capacity, including from Amazon Web Services, to handle the swell of new users. The greater reliance on third-party clouds led to more costs, but it was critical to the company meeting the needs of its users, finance chief Kelly Steckelberg told analysts on a Zoom call with analysts on Tuesday. Day, end quote. So that last number might explain why the stock was down slightly overnight, margins getting reduced from astronomically great to just pretty friggin' great. And yet, think of that Mao number again, going from 14 million mobile app Mao's to 173 million is quite something. Did I just say it was an enterprise play? Well, it doesn't have to be that forever, right? But Zoom makes headlines these days for other reasons as well. Zoom's CEO also admitted yesterday that the app's upcoming end-to-end encryption feature will only be available to paid users. Free users will not get the encryption. Why? 
in order to comply with law enforcement in case of misuse. Quoting the next web, quote, In the past, platforms with end-to-end encryption, such as WhatsApp, have faced heavy scrutiny in many countries because they were unable to trace the origins of problematic and misleading messages. Zoom likely wants to avoid being in such a position and wants to comply with local laws to keep operating across the globe. Alex Stamos, working as a security consultant with Zoom, said it wants to catch repeat offenders for hate speech or child exploitative content by not offering end-to-end encryption to free users. Quote, Zoom does not proactively monitor content in meetings and will not in the future. Zoom doesn't record meetings silently. Neither of these will change. Our goal is to offer an end-to-end encryption solution that provides a stronger guarantee. Zoom is dealing with some serious safety issues. When people disrupt meetings, sometimes with hate speech, CSAM, exposure to children and other illegal behaviors, that can be reported by the host. Zoom is working with law enforcement on the worst repeat offenders, end quote. An early build of iOS 14 is pointing to the addition of an offline built-in translator for Safari, as well as possible full support of Apple Pencil input for websites. This is quoting 9to5Mac. Siri on iOS can already translate words and phrases, and Apple might now expand this translation feature throughout the system. 9to5Mac has found that Safari will have a built-in translator allowing users to translate web pages without any third-party app or service. The translation feature is likely to be available as an individual option for each website, but users will be able to use automatic translations as well. Safari will detect the language to translate the content correctly. There's also the possibility to switch between the original and translated text without reloading the page. But Safari is just the beginning before Apple expands this feature across the system, as we found out that the translation option is also being tested with other apps, such as the App Store. In this case, iOS would translate app descriptions and reviews from users if these were written in another language. Furthermore, all the translations would be processed locally with the neural engine, so this feature is expected to work even without an internet connection, and it wouldn't send data to Apple. Even Siri translations are supposed to use the neural engine in the future, which is a big step forward since it would be possible to ask Siri to translate something if you're offline. 9to5Mac has also learned that iPadOS 14 might include full support for Apple Pencil input on websites, making it possible not only to scroll and touch, but also to draw and mark up with all its capabilities in Safari and other browsers, end quote. So the Apple Pencil support on websites is interesting, but perhaps inevitable. I think the big thing to be on the lookout for, though, is more AI stuff on Apple devices, like this story about translation suggests. Crucially, I'm talking about on-device AI stuff. As we've discussed previously, the technology and silicon firepower is getting to the place where doing something like this on a mobile device is increasingly feasible. And of course, keeping things on device comports with Apple's privacy branding. But also, the more things like this can be done on device, maybe Siri has been stagnating for so long because Apple has been waiting for an overhaul of how Siri can work on device. I'm increasingly expecting the WWDC and next iPhone launches to go heavy on this idea of forget the cloud. Now when we say it just works, we mean it just works on device. No cloud even necessary. So today I learned that there has been a fad for an app known as Remove China Apps, especially in India 
where this app has garnered 4.7 million downloads, apparently. The app has proven popular by allowing folks to rid their phone of apps developed in China. At least it has done so until Google began removing the app from the Play Store, quoting 9to5Google. The app might not mean a great deal to many outside of India, but developer OneTouch Apps Labs promised that it would help you detect any apps developed in China, which would allow you to remove them from your device far quicker. Unlike the recent removal of reviews from the TikTok Play Store listing, the app has been flat out swiped from the online application portal. TechCrunch has since found that Remove China Apps has been taken down for violating the Google Play Store's deceptive behavior policy. This policy states that an app on the Google Play Store cannot make changes to a user device settings or features outside of this app without the user's knowledge or consent. The most damning is that the deceptive behavior policy also states that an app should not encourage users to remove or disable third-party apps, which is clearly the sole purpose of Remove China Apps. The app has grown in popularity as anti-China sentiment has grown in India in recent months. The latest dispute over the Himalayan border is said to have stoked these tensions even further. Considering that the vast majority of smartphone hardware sold and used globally has roots in China, from development to manufacturing, this seems like an odd target of ire by Indian users. According to OneTouch's website, the developers used market research to determine just where an app originated and did not guarantee accuracy. Despite all of this, Remove China Apps has since been completely removed from the Google Play Store. If you are concerned, you'll just have to manually remove apps without the help of a dodgy third-party app going forward." End quote. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you ka-ching. As you know, I still run the first company I ever founded 25 years ago entirely on Shopify these days. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow the whole way. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling. Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is that you can take any business to the next level, even 25-year-old ones, but especially 25-day-old ones. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ride, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash ride now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash ride. How do you make a password that's strong enough so no one will guess it and it's impossible for you to forget and do it for a hundred different sites and make it so everyone in your company can do the same without ever needing to reset them? Sounds impossible unless you have one password. More than any other product I've ever told you about, I can vouch 1,000% for 1Password. I can't live without it. 1Password makes strong security easy for your people and gives you the visibility you need to take action when you need to. Any device, any time, 1Password lets you securely switch between iPhone, Android, Mac, and PC with convenient features like autofill for quick sign-ins. All you have to remember is the one strong account password that protects everything else. 
your logins, your credit cards, secure notes, or the office Wi-Fi password. 1Password's award-winning password manager is trusted by millions of users and over 100,000 businesses from IBM to Slack. It beat out 40 other options to become Wirecutter's top pick for password managers. Right now, my listeners get a free two-week trial at 1Password.com slash ride for your growing business. That's two free weeks at 1Password.com slash ride. Don't let security slow your business down. Go to 1Password.com slash ride. Quick update on the Brave browser. Brave says its browser now has 15.4 million monthly active users, up 125% year over year, and recorded 5.3 million daily active users in May, which I'm bringing up because obviously one of those users is me. If you were listening back when I did that whole switch away from Chrome bake-off, all I can say is that Brave has been pretty flawless for me these past few months. And the other thing about Brave that has always intrigued me has been the literal business model. Those Brave ads that allow you to earn crypto that you can then gift to sites that you visit regularly. Seems like that might be working out as well. Quoting from Brave itself, Private by design Brave ads brought in 1,530 campaigns since their launch last year, a 255% increase from the 400 campaigns reported in October 2019, and sponsored images delivered 25 campaigns since their launch in February 2020. Recent campaigns included brands such as Verizon, Newegg, Chipotle, and PayPal slash Honey, in addition to earlier campaigns by Amazon, Harry's Razors, Intel, CBS, Kind Snacks, Logitech, Lenovo, Grubhub, Belkin, QuickBooks, and Evernote. Brave Ads campaigns are now supported in 183 countries. With a click-through rate of 9%, 90-day platform average, Brave Ads continue to excel compared to the 2% industry average. Certain brands are seeing up to 15% click-through rates. With over 1 billion ad confirmation events to date, Brave Ads have seen a 930% increase from the 97 million ad-confirmed events reported in October 2019, end quote. Almost 1,000% up there. People seem to like the ads, I guess. These numbers also apparently include 700,000 verified creators on Brave's platform at this point, which would mean YouTubers, website operators, Twitch streamers, and the like, who can receive those bat crypto payments. Does anyone personally know a creator out there making serious bat money yet? If so, could you have them get in touch with me? Because I'd like to see if that end is actually really gaining traction like Brave is suggesting. On a call with Facebook employees Tuesday, CEO Mark Zuckerberg continued to stand firmly behind his decision to leave up President Trump's inflammatory Facebook posts. Quoting the New York Times, On Tuesday, in the virtual meeting with employees, Mr. Zuckerberg spent 30 minutes laying out what had happened with Mr. Trump's post. He said the president's looting and shooting message, which went up on Friday, was immediately spotted by Facebook's policy team. Mr. Zuckerberg woke up at 7.30 a.m. in Palo Alto that day to an email about the post. The policy team called the White House, he said, telling officials there that Mr. Trump's message was inflammatory. Mr. Zuckerberg spent the rest of last Friday morning talking to policy officials and other experts at Facebook. He ultimately decided Mr. Trump's post had not broken Facebook's policies. Mr. Zuckerberg said Mr. Trump's post relied on a call for, quote, state use of force, which Facebook allows under its guidelines. He said that in the future, the social network might reassess that policy given the photos and videos of excessive use of force by police that have spread across social media in recent days. 
After explaining his thought process, Mr. Zuckerberg took questions from employees in the virtual meeting on Tuesday, according to a copy of the call. One Facebook employee in New York expressed support for Mr. Zuckerberg's position, but the vast majority of questions were pointed, and the call became increasingly contentious. Mr. Zuckerberg was asked whether any black Facebook employees were consulted in the decision-making process. He named one. A Facebook employee in Austin, Texas, then said he felt the company's political speech policy wasn't working and needed to be changed. One persistent feeling shared among Facebook's rank and file came out in a direct moment between Mr. Zuckerberg and another employee during the call. Quote, Why are the smartest people in the world focused on contorting and twisting our policies to avoid antagonizing Trump? The employee asked. In a statement... A Facebook spokeswoman said that, quote, open and honest discussion has always been a part of Facebook's culture, and that Mr. Zuckerberg was, quote, grateful for employees' feedback, end quote. Finally today, Spanish soccer powerhouse FC Barcelona has launched a subscription-based digital streaming service called Barca TV Plus, naturally. Or maybe it's Plus. I don't know how you would pronounce that in Catalan, but I mean... The plus branding is de rigueur these days if you're launching a streaming app, right? Because it lets people know who your real competitors are, quoting Variety. In the entertainment business, we are competing against not only our sports rivals, FC Barcelona board member Didiak Lee told Sportico, Penske Media's new sports business platform, quote, We are competing against other streaming services, video games, and so on. We are competing for the attention of our audience, end quote. Barca TV Plus, which costs €4.99 or $5.58 US per month, will launch with more than a 1,000 hours of content, including a series featuring French forward Anton Griezmann challenging other athletes, as well as shows on Barca players, past and present, both male and female. Barca is also launching a €39 annual membership that includes access to the services as well as other benefits. Women's games will be available live on the service, while men's first-team games will appear on demand after airing elsewhere. Barca will also program a linear channel available in Catalan, Spanish, and English for subscribers. While other leagues and teams have launched their own over-the-top offerings, few have the archival content that FC Barcelona owns thanks to the FC Barca TV channel it launched over 20 years ago. That means many classic games, along with long-form interviews, will be newly available to consumers, end quote. So before you accuse me of picking this story due to my predilection for football in the global sense of the word. That last bit is why I found this story interesting. As the piece says, Barca has long been a pioneer in doing their own thing, their own channel, their own internet subscription plays. And, I mean, that's kind of nothing new. I mean, here in New York, the Yankees have had the Yes channel forever. But I believe we've said on several different weekend bonus episodes Is it or is it not inevitable that eventually teams and leagues will just have their own walled garden apps like this? Like, why do you need a TV middleman anymore? The real middleman is the tech platform that your app can now live on. The Premier League or the NBA, what value do they really get from a Sky or a TNT or whomever? And if you're an individual team, a Barcelona or a Green Bay Packers, for instance, an integrated membership app experience, imagine what you could do inside that for season ticket holders, for game day experience, for fan community experience. Forget software as a service, consider fandom as a service. You want your fans to live their whole fan lives inside your app, like how Spotify just wants you to spend more time inside their app. 
I've asked several times people much smarter than me about this space on the Weekend Bonus episodes a similar question along the lines of, this is inevitable, right? And I keep getting the response that for sports, we're just not there yet. But come on, how can this not be inevitable? Teams or leagues can get that sweet, sweet recurring revenue while owning the entire fandom stack, the whole fan experience soup to nuts. Why wouldn't you want that? Still not a car owner yet, but I guess I'm going to have to go through with it one way or another at this point. An advertiser who for now will remain nameless, I guess, has been listening to my car buying odyssey and has gotten in touch about potentially sponsoring the show to promote a product that I would only be able to have experience with if I do own a car. So let's hope that I get a car soon so that I can tell you about some apparently top-of-the-line windshield wipers. Talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.